We're in a new series called, uh, started last week called All Things New. So grab your handout that you were given this morning as you came in. Grab your Bible or whatever you're reading Scripture on. We'll get there in just a moment. Uh, last week we talked about the, the importance of believing what God says. Not just for our salvation, which is very important, but also believing what God says in His Word, what, what He speaks to us through the Holy Spirit, and what He says through other people in various ways, the way God speaks to us, that we need to believe what He says for everyday life, so that we'll not only have salvation, but we'll have life in all of its fullness. And we talked about that last week. This week, and this is all leading up to Easter. So last week we talked about believing. This morning we're going to talk about belonging. Next week we'll talk about becoming with a couple, and, and then and I'll tell you more about that in a little bit. But before we get to that point, let's talk about belonging. And I want to invite uh, Corey Holbrook uh, to come. Let's just welcome Corey to the platform this morning. Um, I've asked Corey to share her story. Corey has experienced some really uh, transformational uh, time with God over the last several months. Known, has known God for a long time. Many of you know Corey. Uh, Corey's husband is Pastor Brandon Holbrook, and um, they've been here now with us for several years. And God and, and God's been doing a lot of amazing things in Corey's life. So let's listen to see what she has to share with us. I am a force to be reckoned with powerful, with a purpose, thought out, I'm a head, not a tail, bold, a beacon of God, Napoleon on a white horse, the true daughter of God. When God changes your name and your identity, it becomes a reality. So I shared these names that God spoke over me recently, um, really just to show how personal and specific he is. And how he desires for us to live as the person that he created and designed us to be. And not the way that our families or our past tells us to be. So I grew up in a difficult home. <laughs> I'm the third of four daughters. And really for my entire childhood, I was told that I was a mistake and a burden. And always had an expecta expectation that I was going to fail. I was supposed to be a son. <laughs> the son to carry on the family name. And I was supposed to be the pride of the family. But instead, <laughs> surprise, I was born a girl <laughs> in a family that already had too many girls. And in a time when my family didn't need or want any more children. So in my family, it was really every girl for herself. Uh, my sisters and I were just trying to survive, trying to fit in, trying to find a purpose in life. And we weren't close as kids um, because we were really always competing against each other. Um, so, <laughs> as, I, as, I, as I grew up, um, I became the hero in my family. I took on that role, and I would watch, and I would observe people to try to determine what it is that they wanted from me and who they wanted me to be. I was always afraid to, um, to speak for fear that I would say or do the wrong thing. Um, so I was a full-on people pleaser, right? Um, and then... With all of that, my identity became one of fear and insecurity. I was so wrapped up in trying to determine what people wanted and always afraid that I would let them down. I found myself pursuing goodness in, in all of my activities, all the things that I did, um, but not greatness because I didn't want to be noticed um, in case someone might examine me a little too close and see all of my flaws. 
I wanted people to like me. Um, and I always lived with this fear that if I disappointed them, they would reject me and not accept me. You see, Satan used my family as tools to shape me into someone that wouldn't trust God and into someone who would never step into a role of royalty in the kingdom of God. Satan used the pain of my childhood to ensure that I would never use my voice to praise God. Yeah, here I am. Aha. <laughs> Satan, <laughs> Satan enslaved me to fear and insecurity so that I would never feel the joy and the peace that comes from being a daughter of the King of Kings and living as a full member of, in the community of the family of God. So I'm willing to bet that Satan has probably um, pulled some of those on you as well and has, has tried to set you up for a lot of the same failures that I face. And that's because he's a thief. And he has come to steal our God-given values, to kill the voice and the power of God in our life, and to destroy the person that God created when you were formed. After struggling uh, through childhood, dealing with depression and despair and all of that junk, God finally got an inlet to me. And um, in the seventh grade, one of my best friends told me the gospel and introduced me to Jesus. And really, from that moment on, I was all in. I didn't, I didn't struggle with doubt. Um, you know, I never questioned whether or not God was real. Um, it made sense. It was truth in my, in my life. And so I pursued this relationship with him, um, you know, wanting to get to know him better. And as a teenager, really felt him calling me into a life of ministry, calling me to feed his sheep, specifically were the words that he, he used in my heart, um, to feed his sheep and then to serve the hurting. And so, um, you know, I, I pursued him, and I, and I talked to him, and I spoke to him. And I, I want to really clarify that I had a good relationship with him. I was really close. You know, there was no doubt that I was a believer and that I had salvation. Um, but like all of my other close relationships, there was still a wall, a barrier. I held him at a distance. And even though I had the head knowledge, my heart never truly trusted and believed that he accepted and loved all of me. I was so wrapped up in this bondage of performance and trying to act good. I tried really, really hard to be like Christ. You know, I knew what the Bible said. And all the while, I was still trapped. I still had all of that bondage, that fear, the insecurities, the anxieties. So I went away to college, um, eventually got married, and the battle continued on. And again, you know, I knew the Bible. I knew what it said, um, and I knew who it said I, I was and how I should act. But I couldn't shake the chains they were, that were locked around me as a child. I joined the church and really began to claim them, claim you, as my family. But much like in my own biological family, I always felt different. I felt, um, I felt like I was always going to let someone down. And in that, I wouldn't be accepted. Because of all of that hidden brokenness, I felt like I was a burden and one wrong word from being ostracized and rejected from the closest community I've ever had. So the chains of fear got tighter the more involved I got in the church. And I served in the church, but always in behind-the-scenes roles. I would hide behind that performance so that I wouldn't actually have to speak or reflect God on a personal level. And again, I want to be clear on that, that those fears, the anxiety of rejection that I had towards the church, was not based on anything that anyone 
did in the church. It was all based on my past, on who I believed I was, that I was a reject, a mistake, and that I couldn't possibly be a child of God or an active member in the family. See, I, I identified myself as kind of the stepchild or maybe that, you know, the nosy neighbor kid that comes over and just accepts scraps from the table but never really is a, is a part in the family. And that was up until about six months ago. Um, that was my reality where I felt like this awkward outsider until I had a moment with God where I finally began to understand the depth of his love for me. In just a few moments with him, he began to rewrite my history. He took me back into all of those just horrible memories, all of those lies, those curses that were spoken over me as a child, and he showed me the true me. He showed me who I was actually created to be. He showed me the lies that Satan had planted that were so deep inside of my heart that I, I wasn't able to reach him, and I didn't really even know that they were there. And then God removed them, and he replaced them with his truth. He renamed me with all of those names that I shared at the beginning. So in this process, he's also welcomed me into his family. As he replaced that old self, my eyes were open to what family really is and not what I previously thought or experienced. It is not based on performance. And value is not placed on how good we are. Our value is based on the fact that each one of us was created by God before we were born. I'm up here sharing really only because of this recent experience. God renewed my purpose, and he gave me the strength to step into it. He brought down all my walls so that I could step out and finally belong and, maybe more importantly, accept that belonging. Accept who I was, my identity in him. In the past six months, in my renewal, I've been able to finally feel loved and accepted as part of a family. And I no longer seek that validation from my biological family or from others. And that's freed me to stand here with a microphone in my face and tell my story and praise God through it. My value... My value is now found in who I am, and I don't have to perform. And as I've been released from that, I'm able to really open up and glorify God. Um, I've even been able to go back to my parents and my sisters who are not believers and share that truth with them. I've been able to actually share all the things that God has done in my life. And it's all out of love. It's not, there's no fear. There's no um, judgment. There's no condemnation. Um, I've been able to truly forgive them for all of that. And so I, as I prepared this testimony, I really didn't know how I was going to end it. Um, and I just, I just trusted him. I was like, okay, God, <laughs> you take it away. Um, and then last night, I was just overcome with this sense of peace. And I know that it comes from the wonderful people that I'm in community with that were praying for me as I prepared for today. And so I want to thank all of those people, all my life group, and the ladies in women's Bible study. And I just want to stress how important that community is, because they've got your back. I don't know about you, but... 
I want that freedom and that kind of understanding of who you are for everybody I know. Anybody else feel that way? I, I want everyone I know, all my family members, all my neighbors, all my friends, all the people who live in this community, I want everybody you know, all 500,000 people who live in this city to know what Corey knows. To accept God's acceptance. To live in his truth and in the reality of his grace. And that's why we do what we do here at Eastside. And that's why we're doing this series. That's why in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have two more people come and share testimony. Next Sunday, uh, a gentleman by the name of Nasser Alhamed will be here, who grew up in the Saudi in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, who was a uh, uh, radicalized Muslim, came to this country to uh, proselytize and recruit everybody he could recruit into the uh, religion, into the faith of Islam. He was pretty good at it until his wife became a Christian, and she began praying for him and asking everybody she knew to pray for him. And then he'll tell you his story next week. He's an amazing, powerful story. If you, if, if you bring all your friends, to, you'll want to come and hear Nasser. He'll have most of our time, most of the message time next week will be his story. Very powerful story. God and, and what God's leading him into over the next few months and years is going to be an amazing thing to watch and support him in. Uh, Easter Sunday morning, a uh, gentleman by the name of John Smith, who had a lot to do with uh, Manuel's uh, salvation, discipleship, and growth, and so uh, incredible story. He'll be here to share that. So we're going through this series, Believing, Becoming, uh, Belonging, Becoming next week, and Building God's Kingdom. We've talked a little bit about the uh, offering we're going to receive on Easter Sunday morning, a special offering that's over and above your tithe. Uh, we do this periodically. And Easter Sunday, we're going to do a special offering. The, and the reason we're going to do that is because I want everybody and we want everybody in this community to know Jesus. We're going to use these resources to expand the kingdom in this community, doing things like the Michael Jr. concert where people will come and find Jesus. Uh, lots of those types of activities and, and outreaches and, and various ways to share the gospel in this community. We also want to use some resources to do some reordering and rebuilding and re, um, reorganizing some of our space. We want to build in our patio space. We want to close it in so we can use that year-round uh, for adult training and equipping classes. We were to, it's sort of like, you know, if, if you've ever, ever had a, a baby in your house and you know that you've got to reorganize and rearrange some of your space, you got to make a nursery, right? Have anybody ever done that? Guys, have you ever lost an office to a nursery? Any of you? Uh, we want to, <laughs> some of you, uh, we're going to do that here at Eastside because we have a lot more people coming in who are finding Christ and we want to raise them up to be fully devoted followers of Jesus. We need more space for adults to do that. So we're going to reorder, rear organize and, and put some doors where there are not doors and, and reutilize some of our space. We need some resources to do that. So are you ready for that? It's going to be an exciting time, and that's why we're doing what we're doing on Easter Sunday. Uh, with that said, uh, I want to encourage you to be praying about what God would have you give over and above your tithes, uh, your regular tithes, to this offering so that God can use it for his glory. Kathy and I are praying about that and excited about that time. If you have your Bible, and I hope you do, turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, and let's jump into this message today, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. The title of this message is a question. The question is, am I where I belong? Am I where I belong? 
uh, I want you to ask yourself that question. Do you belong and are you where you belong? Are you with whom you belong? Be thinking about that as we go through this next few minutes together. In Genesis 1.26, God is telling us here about the way he created us and why he created us. He says, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So if you don't like creepy things, just take dominion over them, right? That's what you you have. God, you can rule over them. In this passage of Scripture is the outline for this series. We need to believe what God said is true for salvation and for everyday life, and we need to understand that with Him, He created us to belong to Him. He created us in His image. That means He wants us to belong to Him. We are His, and He created us in His likeness. He wants us to be more and more like Him every single day. And He wants to give us dominion. He wants us to build His kingdom. Because the kingdom of the world exists, and it's a powerful kingdom, and it's destroying people's lives. Do you agree with that? And he, God wants us to establish and build His kingdom. So, If we believe what he says, and we belong to him, and we become like him, and we build his kingdom with his power, then his will is done here on earth as it is in heaven. And that's the answer to Jesus' prayer, isn't it? The answer to the prayer he told us to pray. That's what God's will is, is that his kingdom will come here on earth, and that his will will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Now, for us to do that, for us for that to happen, and for that to become a reality in our lives and a reality in this community, we have to belong to God. We have to know whom we belong to. And we're all born with a desire to belong, aren't we? It's hardwired in us. We want to belong. We want to belong to one another. It's hardwired in us to be- want to belong to God. That's why we do some of the stupid things we do as we grow up. You know, when we grow up, a, lo- a lot of Trips to the emergency room, for example, our precip- our, 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 the, the preview to that trip is the words that go like this. Hey, guys, watch this. Right? Why do we do some of those things that we do? We do some of those dumb things because we want to belong. We want to be popular. We want people to like us, like Corey was saying. And it's hardwired in us. We all want that. We all need that. That's why I often will take Kathy and I'll hold her really, really close. And I'll put my cheek next to hers and I'll say to her, as I'm holding her really tight, I'll say, this is where I belong. And she'll say to me, and this is where I belong. We belong to one another. We belong to God. And because we belong to God and we know we belong to one another, everything else makes sense. If that's not true, nothing else makes sense. Do you agree with that? But here's where not belonging began. Here's where the whole problem 
started. Today this message is going to be bad news and then it's going to be good news. Okay, so we'll start with the bad news. We'll get there in a second. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3 verse 8 and I'll give you the preview. Remember God said to Adam and Eve when he put them in the garden, he said, don't eat of this one tree. Everything else you can do, you can have fun, you can run and romp and play, but don't eat from that one tree. Don't, that's just the only thing you can't do is don't eat from that one tree. And what did they do? They ate from that one tree. Why? Because they believed Satan. Instead of believing God and doing what God said, they believed Satan and agreed with him that God, Satan says that God's a liar. Who's the real liar? It's not a trick question. Satan says God's a liar. Who's the real liar? Satan. And he. And so, but the minute we believe him and agree with him, we we move out of alignment with God. So here's what happened. They did that. And starting verse eight, it says they in Genesis chapter three. They heard the sound of the Lord in the garden, and walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife, his wife hid themselves. From the presence of the Lord. Just think about that for a second. They're hiding from the presence of God. Maybe some of us have done that. They hid from the Lord among the trees in the garden. Then the Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. Now, there's a moment in time when they went from believing God and agreeing with Him and living in His presence. There was a moment in time Everything changed. In that moment, everything changed. They went from believing God and trusting Him and knowing Him and walking with Him to being afraid of Him. Now they're afraid. Now they're hiding. Now they know they're naked. Now they're starting to, they need to cover themselves. And they start, from that moment on, from that moment on, shame and fear and rejection and abandonment become a reality in all of our lives. If you've ever felt shame or fear or rejection or abandonment, and haven't all of us felt that? Anybody in the room, you know, no, I've never felt any of that stuff. Never never felt any shame, never felt any rejection. All of us have, right? We've all felt shame or rejection, abandonment, and fear. It all gets traced back to this moment in time. And then when God starts looking for Adam, obviously knowing, I mean, God knows where he is, right? He's just, what, what's going on, Adam? What have you done? What, what, what's, what have you done? He heard the saddest words ever uttered up until that point. God heard the saddest words he could have ever heard. When Adam says to God, I heard you and I was afraid. Wouldn't that be sad to hear God to hear that? 
For those of you who are parents, wouldn't it be sad for you to hear from your children, Oh, I heard you coming, and I hid because I'm afraid of you. God had never done anything to them to cause them to be afraid of Him. What's happened? What's changed? They agreed with Satan. That's what happened. And now they experience shame and fear and rejection and abandonment. And that becomes a reality in our world. Therefore, now here's the bad news in the message. Belonging to God, belonging to God, it's good and bad news both. Belonging to God requires a reversal. It requires a reversal. Because the first, the first point here is because we're born into a world of rejection. That's the bad news. Isaiah 59, 2. But your iniquities, meaning your sinful nature, not just your sin, but your whole sinful nature, your iniquities, the way you're bent, this is what that means. Your iniquity, your bent towards sin, have made a separation between you and your God. That's bad news in my book. Romans 3, 23 says, For all have sinned. That's all of us. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Let me tell you about sin. Let me give you a quick definition. Sin is not just a little rebellion. Sin is not just a little, you know, I missed the mark. That is not sin. Sin is mutiny against God. Sin is aligning yourself with the purposes and plans of Satan himself and agreeing with him. That's what sin is. Sin is no laughing, trivial matter. Sin separates us from God. If sin was a small thing, it wouldn't separate us from God. That's what sin is. Sin is mutiny. And because of sin, we're all unclean. We've all been separated from God. And the problem is, in order for us to be accepted by God, we have to be perfect. Perfectly clean. That's a problem, isn't it? Is that a problem for anybody but me? That's a problem. That's why God tells them, tells his people in the Old Testament how to do this sacrificial system. In, Le- in Leviticus chapter 22, verse 21, he says, When a man offers a sacrifice of peace offerings to the Lord to fulfill a special vow or, to, or for a freewill offering of the herd or the flock, it must be, what? Perfect to be accepted. You've got to go in your flock of your sheep or your cattle, and you've got to find the one that has no blemishes, no flaws, no problems whatsoever. It is the perfect one, and you've got to bring that one to God to be sacrificed. Nothing else will even be accepted. There shall be no defect in it. See this, but, but the good news is God provided the perfect for us. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9, it writes, the writer writes, and having been made perfect, he, meaning Jesus, became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. Because he is perfect, he, God, God, knows we, God knows we can't be perfect. He knows it's never going to happen if it's up to us. So he provides perfection for us because he wants us. Get it now, friends. He wants us to belong to him. And so he pays the ultimate price so that belonging to him becomes possible. Pretty good news. Hebrews 10, chapter, chapter 10, verse 14 says, 
For by one offering, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. Isn't that awesome? So here's the, here's the deal, friends. See, I'm not perfect in my performance, and I'm not even perfect in my progress, but I am perfect in my position with Jesus Christ. Because of who he is, and because he's adopted me, and I've experienced and I've received, and I have, I have accepted his acceptance. Because, because of that, I am still not perfect in my performance. I'm not perfect in my progress, but I am perfect in my position with him. He has adopted me, and that makes me perfect in that way acceptable to him that's pretty good news hebrews chapter 12 verse 22 says but you have come to mount zion and the city of the living god the heavenly jerusalem and to myriads of angels to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who were enrolled in heaven and to god the judge of all and to the spirits of the righteous that's you If you've been accepted by God, if you've been adopted by God, if you've been claimed by him as his son or his daughter, it's talking about you. You and I, we get to gather in the holy city with God, with all the angels and all the saints who have gone before, because we are made righteous and perfect in him. That's what the Bible says. Believe it? You believe it? It's true. It's all come to us free because of the grace and righteousness of Jesus. In him and because of him, these words are possible. That's why, you know, when Jesus says in Sermon on the Mount, he's, he's preaching his very first inaugural address. Sermon on the Mount, hillside just outside of Capernaum, uh, near the Sea of Galilee. And he's preaching along a message like nothing they've ever heard before. And he gets to this portion of, this, of the message and And all of a sudden, if it wasn't for who he is, and if it wasn't for the work he's doing, this would be bad news. He says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, he says, Therefore, this is the words of Jesus. He says, Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. What do you think? wasn't for the work of Jesus, that wouldn't be possible. If it wasn't for who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and what Jesus has completed and the adoption he's paid for, what he's saying would not be possible. But he's, what he's saying is going to be possible because what, he's do, what he is going, he's about to do from this point and what he has done now. Anybody here uh, ever struggle with perfectionism? <laughs> I knew you would your hands but you're getting some elbows aren't you um you know you are perfect in christ jesus in your identity in your position that's an amazing thing i i was thinking this week about the days when god was calling me to ministry and i argued with god for three years about whether i should be in ministry uh, he obviously won the argument, but um, yeah, surprise, surprise, right? Uh, and I kept telling God, God, I am not capable of this. 
And God would say, really? I had no idea. But there was a deeper issue that was even a bigger concern for me. The deeper issue and the bigger concern, uh, you know, far in a way of more significant than my inability was what I knew about me and the condition of my heart. And I knew that I knew God was going to be dealing with an unclean vessel. I knew that God was going to be dealing with a heart that was prone to separation from God. And I was just dealing with all this junk, much like Corey was dealing with. And it wasn't until I finally learned to listen to what God says and agree with Him and believe Him and accept His acceptance. able to step forward with some confidence that he knows what he's talking about and it's all about him anyway and it's all for his glory and, and if he can take a, a guy like me and use me in some way he can use anybody he can let me give you the good news the bad news is we were born into, re, into a world of rejection the good news is We're reborn into acceptance. We're reborn spiritually into acceptance because of what Christ Jesus has done. Let's read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. He's been thinking about you a long time, hasn't he? That we would be holy and blameless before Him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself. According to the kind intention of His will. To the praise of the glory of His grace which He freely bestowed on us. That's on us who belong to Him, the Beloved. That's who we are. Because of what Jesus has done for us, we are accepted and adopted. We have his name because we belong to him. We have been fully adopted by God the Father, and we are no longer rejected. We are accepted. We are no longer in shame. He has claimed us as his own. We are no longer abandoned. We are adopted as his. This is good news. If you receive it, if you will accept his acceptance, If you'll walk in faith believing he knows what he's talking about. Through adoption, you belong to him. And because we belong to him, we belong to one another. And that's why we do what we do here at Eastside Community Church. We proclaim the good news and we gather people together so we can belong to God and we can belong to one another. That's why we do our Catch the Vision class here at Eastside. If you haven't done a Catch the Vision class yet, I want you to do that next month, April 24th, on a Sunday at 11 o'clock, and we'll have lunch afterwards. Come to the Catch Catch the Vision class. I want to share with you. I want you to know what our vision is here. I want you to know what the mission God has given us, and I want you to know what it means and what it's like to be a part of the family of God here at Eastside. I want you to get involved in serving 
in a, in a ministry here, whether it's at the front door or in the children's ministry environment or in the kitchen or here on the front on the platform as an altar counselor, wherever it might be that God's calling you, I want you to get plugged in and serve with the gifts and the abilities God has given you. I want you to get into a life group because we belong to one another. And in life groups, we pray together, we study God's word together, we encourage one another, we're there for one another. You know how many times it says one another in the New Testament? Dozens and dozens and dozens of times it says love one another, encourage one another, lift one another up, pray for one another, help one another, support one another. One another. We get to do that in life groups together. I want you to go to one of our equipping classes. We have those here on Sunday mornings and occasionally on Wednesday nights. Right now we've got equipping classes running on Wednesday nights for marriage and for finances. We also have them running on Sunday mornings. The Alpha class, if you're just getting started in the faith, there's a six or eight week Alpha class I want every single one of you to go through. There's equipping classes to help you experience the kind of freedom Corey is talking about this morning. And for you to be equipped to help other people experience that same kind of freedom. I want you to be a part of those equipping classes. I want us to grow up, as it says in Ephesians, Paul says that we need to grow up to a mature man, to, to be like Christ, so that we'll know what he's saying when he says it, and we'll do what he's saying when he tells us to do it, and we'll become the bride of Christ that is beautiful and prepared for his return. I wish somebody would shout. I can, I'm going to be excited about this. This is exciting. This is, I'm in the good news part of the message now. This is exciting stuff. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. See, the reason we have full acceptance is because what, because Jesus, you may be asking this question. So how does this happen? How is this possible? How can we move from rejection to adoption? It's because Jesus took our rejection on himself, became rejection for us. He's the substitutionary atonement, if you want a theological term. He substituted himself for us. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3 says, he was, speaking of Jesus, he was despised. This is a, a prophecy of who Jesus is going to be. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. The, and like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. Mark chapter 8, verse 31 says, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man may suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. Psalm 118, verse 22. This is a prophecy talking about Jesus, who will be the stone which the builders rejected. But he became the chief cornerstone. Repeated again in Acts chapter 4, verse 11. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. Jesus came to his own. He didn't receive, they didn't receive him. We didn't receive him. But because of what he's done, his love is so compelling, it overwhelms us. And overcomes our doubts and our fears and causes us to know we can trust him. That's why it's so beautiful And Jesus says this from the cross. Mark chapter 15 verse 34. At the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. 
which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He took our rejection and substituted for us so that we didn't have to experience rejection. Therefore, we belong to Him. And we belong to one another. Now, it's sometimes difficult to love one another, isn't it? No amens on that. Um, There's a wife one time whose husband was telling her, Honey, I, I just can't believe you keep loving me the way you do. And after what I've you know, done and the way I've treated you at times and, and the way I've lived, I can't believe you keep loving me. And she said, well, I love you because what it says in God's word. She said, what, he said, what do you mean? She said, well, in Psalms 84, 11, it says, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And you are my no good thing. See, sometimes it gets messy, doesn't it? We're messy. And sometimes we're hard to love. And there really is no good good in us except what gets planted there by the Spirit of God. And that's what makes us lovely and lovable. And we get loved because not because of what we do or the way we perform. God doesn't love you for what you do for Him. He doesn't love you because you serve Him. He doesn't love you because you're good. Because you're not that good. God loves us because we belong to Him. You know, you don't love your kids because of what they do for you. In fact, sometimes you don't really feel like loving them. But you love them because they belong to you. And you belong to them. That's what our Heavenly Father says about us. And about Himself when He says, I love you because you belong to me. And that will never stop. There's nothing you can do to keep God from loving you. And that's why wants us to know the truth and he wants to reverse the curse that happened in Genesis 3 that we read about earlier when shame and fear and rejection and abandonment all began God wants us to experience adoption so that he can remove shame and he can remove fear and replace it with love And he can remove rejection and replace it with adoption. And he can remove abandonment and replace it with his love and life and his adopted heart and yours. Will you let him do that? Will you accept his acceptance his grace will you accept the work the finished work on the cross that Jesus has done will you receive and live in the truth that you have nothing to be ashamed of 
wants to perfect you in your position, in your adoption. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? If you're here and the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you through God's word this morning, and you would say to God, God, I do experience fear and anxiety. And this morning, I want to give it to you. Would you raise your hand and say that to God right now? Just raise your hand. I want to give you my fear. Amen. Praise God. All over this room. I want to give you my fear and my anxiety. I want to give it to you. And I want to receive your love in return. If you're here this morning and you've experienced shame, somehow connected to your past and you want to receive you want to give that to God and receive his love and acceptance and his truth about the way he really feels about you would you raise your hand right now and say I want to give you my shame I want to give you all my shame I want to give it all to you raise your hand say that to God I want to receive from you your love and what you say about me I'm going to agree with you. Amen. Praise God. If you're here this morning, you've you've lived in a sense of rejection and abandonment. You want to give that to God and receive his adoption? Would you raise your hand right now and say, God, I'm going to give you my rejection and my abandonment and receive. worship team is going to sing another worship song. If you raised your hand, if you want to bring those things to God, or if you want to come and pray for someone else, you don't have to be a member of Eastside. You don't have to be uh, anyone special. We want to pray with you or pray over you. And I want this work that God wants to be wants to do in our lives, I want this to be done today. I want everyone to leave this place no more shame, with no more fear, with no more rejection, with no more abandonment. So I invite you to slip out from where you are when we stand and come and pray. And give all those things or anything else that is on your heart and mind, give it to God. And then receive from Him what He has for you. Father, these are your moments, and we are yours. So we come now to you, asking that you will do what only you can do. It's in the name of Jesus we